It's uh, good to be back, actually. It was five years ago, about this time, I first stepped foot in the town of uh, Wheaton, Illinois, to speak at Wheaton Bible Church for the first week of this missions conference five years ago. At that time, Kyle had just started. He drove me to the airport. We went to a restaurant called Muldoon's that I was unfamiliar with at the time. Uh, and, uh, and Lon Allison had just left the Billy Graham Center to come here as teaching pastor. Uh, five years later, I now sit in Lon Allison's office, uh, and I serve as the executive director of the Billy Graham Center. His the role he wants held. And I'm, I'm, I, my daughters all go to schools with the word Wheaton in them. I'm a professor at Wheaton College. I live on North Wheaton Avenue, and my kids go to Wheaton Bible Church. This is too much Wheaton at this point for any one person. But nevertheless, I did think of you yesterday, and because clearly the connection, I came here and eventually ended up at the Billy Graham Center Wheaton College. I did think of you yesterday on October 21st when a snow hurricane blew through my community at, for 20 minutes. I didn't know where I lived other than the North Pole, and I thought, Wheaton Bible Church, I blame them. But anyway, um, it is good to be here, and thank you so much for having me. If you have a Bible, take it out. It's 1 Peter chapter 4 is the passage we're going to look at. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. It's actually the theme of our conference this whole week is from 1 Peter uh, chapter 4. It says this, it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have to receive others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. There's four things I want to draw from this passage today. That's, our, again, our theme passage for this Missions Fest. And it's real simple. I'm going to talk about all have gifts God intends all to use for which He empowers us to bring God glory. Just a simple sentence that we'll walk through together, and we'll, look, we'll start by looking at the first part of verse 10, right? So first, number one, all have received gifts. All have received gifts. If you look at verse 10, it says this. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Now, here begins a passage that points God's people to ministry and mission, a few things matter here that we get some background. First of all, this verse is actually written to Christians. It's not uh, written to non-Christians. The beginning of 1 Peter, Peter makes that clear. Why does that matter? Because it's going to encourage us to use whatever gift we have to serve others. So that assumes at the beginning that this is written to Christians who are gifted by God. If we get confused by that, we might come to church and think that, well, our job is to serve others, and that'll make us Christians. No, 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 no. It's the, actually the other way around. When we become Christians, part of the new life we have in Christ is that we serve others. You see, the gospel's not you do. The gospel is Jesus did. And because of what He has done on the cross for our sin and in our place, we receive new life, and then we can serve others. So here, a couple of things I want us not to miss, right, as we start this passage. Just let's look at it and walk through it. It says, each of you, each of you, right, each one or all that have received these gifts. It's a kind of an all-encompassing term. It means all followers of Jesus. Each of you should use whatever gift. Now, it's singular here, and most commentaries point to that meaning it's the gifting of the Holy Spirit. We've been gifted uh, with the Holy Spirit as followers of Jesus. So we've been gifted with, but also we've been gifted by the Holy Spirit. So each of you, that's all of us, that's 
everyone, actually some translations just say, everyone should use, so it's this all-encompassing word, should use whatever gift we've been gifted with and by the Holy Spirit as followers of Jesus, you have received. Now, received is past tense. I'm not trying to sound like a preacher when I say received. Uh, Received is past tense, reminding us that we have received new life in Christ. Each one has received new life in Christ. We've been gifted with and by the Holy Spirit. Why? To serve others. To serve others. Some translations say one another, and generally in the New Testament when it says serve others or one another, it's referring to Christians serving maybe other believers, but also we find occasions where it's talking about serving people outside the body of Christ as well. Now, why does this matter? Well, here's a couple of reasons that it matters. First, it's not what's going on in most churches. So we did a study a few years ago. When I spoke here last time, I was leading something called Lifeway Research, and we did a study of 7,000 churches, all different denominations and traditions, And we found this, the majority of people in the majority of churches are unengaged in meaningful ministry or mission. In other words, most people kind of show up for the show, but don't actually get involved in the serve. So actually, we found that depending on how you count, what what constitutes using your gifts, somewhere between 20 to 40 percent is kind of a typical number of people who are serving in a typical church. Now, one of the things I'm going to say later is Wheaton Bible's not a typical church. So it's going to be higher than that here. But here's what we find, right? Most people who go to church act more like passive spectators than like active participants in the mission of God. So in other words, they, they come and they, and they watch, and they watch what takes place up here, maybe the music, maybe the preaching, and more, right? They, they come and watch the show rather than join in the community. In other words, they come, and, and we see this. We see this not uncommon. Now that I've lived in Wheaton for two years, I, I've noticed that people do move from church to church. And sometimes that's for right reasons. Sometimes that's for wrong reasons. But, but what we find is, is that sometimes people can come and want to be customers of the goods and services that are delivered at a church. And if the religious goods and services are delivered in a way that they prefer, they'll come and be consumers of religious goods and services at that church, right? So, so, but here's the challenge. God doesn't call us here to be consumers. He actually calls us to be co-laborers. We see, again, it says each of you. Now, the reality, when it says each of you, it sort of speaks to, well, the total of us. Matter of fact, each of you, three words. Would you say those words out loud with me? Are you ready? Each of you. Ironically, about half of you actually said each of you, which (laughs) kind of misses the point. Let's try that again, where we all, where each of you participates. Are you ready? Each of you. So each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Now, people say, well, isn't that the pastor's job? Well, sure. Pastors are a part of that. Rob does that. Others do that, right? So pastors are included in this verse, but so is everybody who names the name of Jesus, right? 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So again, to each one, to all of us. You say, but Ed, I mean, I mean think, think about how, how, how it works in the church, Ed. You know, you're clergy, what's your job? And I, and I get it, right? So there's this distinction between clergy and lay people, right? I'm an ordained member of the clergy. So what do I do? I clergy. 
So right now I'm clergy in this direction, but at any moment I can clergy over here as well. And you say, but we're lay people, right? So what's our job, right? We're lay people. You clergy, we lay around. <laughs> but that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach that you are objects of the ministry. The Bible teaches that you are partners in the ministry. Now, don't misunderstand. It doesn't mean there's a time and a season where somebody doesn't need ministry, exhortation, and pastoral care. But what we have to acknowledge is if we're about 20 to 40 percent, somewhere between there is the typical church of people who are using your gifts, there's a huge gap between this passage and our practice. So what are we going to do, and how do we get there? Well, sometimes it's because of the way we build our, we, way we build our buildings, right? So I'm the interim pastor of uh, Moody Church, interim teaching pastor at Moody Church in downtown Chicago. So I, I make the trip downtown uh, mostly every week, occasionally like here. I'm here today. I've been the interim pastor of Moody for, um, for two years, which is wrong, uh, but two years should an interim not be. Um, I've actually served as the interim there longer than two of their actual pastors were the pastor of Moody Church. <laughs> another story for another day. Um, but you know what Moody Church and Wheaton Bible Church have in common? Lots of things. But one of the things is, is the way we've built our churches, right? I mean, look around this room. I hate the way this has been constructed. You say, Ed, you come to our church and you say mean things about our building. You say, why don't you like it? Well, here's the deal. Did the same thing at Moody Church, right? When you build churches like theaters, don't be surprised that people act like showgoers, right? So they'll come and they'll watch the show. It's on a stage. The stuff happens up here. We like the singing. We like the preaching. We come as customers because the music is the kind of music we like and the preaching is dynamic and exciting. When you build churches like theaters, don't be surprised people act like showgoers, you say, Ed, what's the alternative? we got a lot of people here at Wheaton Bible. How are we going to seat them if we don't seat them in rows? I don't have an alternative. I just wanted to complain about the current reality. <laughs> I'm like a good church member. I just bring the concerns. I don't solve them. <laughs> and actually, I love the building. It's a great building. And, and, and really, again, I, I, what God's been doing, so what a blessing it is. But what I want to say to you, there are unintended consequences of the way it's built at Moody Church or Wheaton Bible Churches, and people are getting the message. Their job is not participation, it's observation. Yet First Peter says, each one has received a gift and use it to serve one another. So here, as we walk through this week at Wheaton Bible Church, right, during the 85-year history, actually over 500 individuals have actually moved from sitting in rows, facing forward, watching something here, right, and been either from this church or sponsored by this church into long-term global service. Matter of fact, 31 cents of every dollar that's actually given here is invested in global and community outreach. Five years ago, I said something to describe that, and here's what I said, because I, I was a church researcher at that time. We still do research, but I was a church researcher at that time, and we described churches like yours in a category in our research files. It's called freakishly abnormal, but in a good way, supporting 97 missionary and indigenous partner couples in 52 nations. I don't know about you, but I was moved just listening to the introductions that took place moments ago. Because in doing so, we see people who have said, Lord, I'm part of the each one, and I'm going to use my gifts 
I mean, listening to Dan talk about how he's used his gifts, planting churches, people all over the globe. The question is, is how are you responding to the gift that God has on your life to use your gifts? You say, well, Ed, I don't feel called to, to go to Ukraine, we've heard mentioned, or plant churches in Japan. Thank God for that ministry and more. You say, I don't feel called to that. Well, okay, that's not a problem. Because here's the great thing. You're called right now. Your job is to say to Jesus, I'll go wherever you want. If he tells you to stay here, do that. If he tells you to go there, do that. See, you put your yes on the table. You let God put it on the map. And then God will decide, and you'll follow in his leadership. But what we've got to not miss from this passage is all of God's people are called to the ministry, right? Why? Because all have gifts. That's number one. Number two on our outline, right? All have gifts. Then number two, God intends all to use their gifts, right? It's the second part of verse 10. It says, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, it's interesting, the Bible doesn't say, Peter's not writing and saying that I want you to be a steward because you are already a steward of the gifts God has given you. The question is whether you're being a faithful steward of those gifts or not. So, steward is not a question, right? And steward is like manager, like a manager, right? So, I first became a manager, I was 19 years old, and they made me the manager of the Burger King. That's right. Now, there were words before the word manager, assistant and knight, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> it wasn't assistant to the manager. It was assistant knight manager. It's a very important distinction. So I was in charge for two hours every business day at the Burger King. Those two hours were from midnight to 2 a.m. Don't judge. Um, <laughs> but I took it seriously. It was just me and the fry guy, but I ruled over him with an iron fist. Make sure those fries are fresh, man. Customers coming in. See, I was a steward or a manager of the Burger King. I didn't own the Burger King. A franchisee, Davgar Enterprises, owned the Burger King. I didn't do it solely for my benefit. I did it for the good of the, well, of the company and its shareholders, but also for the good of the customers. I got to be, 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 be helped. I got paid to do this. Now, why does that matter? Because manager and steward both are translated from the same word in the original language. And here it says we're to be faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So don't want you to miss this. Your job as followers of Jesus, your job even this week as participants in Mission Fest, is not to pay and pray and stay out of the way. That's not your job. Your job is to engage in God's mission where he places you, yes, to give, yes, to go, but to acknowledge that you are a part of that mission as the body of Christ. Five years ago, I, I, didn't, know, uh, I didn't know where Wheaton, Illinois was, and I didn't, know, um, I didn't know where Wheaton Bible was, and I certainly didn't know much about it, but now I've lived here for two years, and I want you to know your reputation precedes you. You're a church that does care about the community, that does engage in God's mission in the community. So a higher percentage than normal, but that still means there are hundreds of people that still can, and hopefully through encouragement this week, will get engaged in God's global mission in its expressions locally and ultimately around the world. See, otherwise what happens is this, is that churches can over time attract people who love to come to a vibrant church but don't want to contribute to the vibrancy. 
They want to come as customers of the religious goods and services. They want to grow in their biblical knowledge. They'll come and say, Pastor, I just need deeper teaching. I need deeper teaching. They, they want to know about the Amalekites and the Jebusites and the Mosquito Bites. They want to know everything they can about everything. But they're just receiving and receiving and receiving and never giving and going and sharing. And you know what you end up with? A church full of knowledgeable religious customers not living on mission who eventually get dissatisfied with the customer service. And I want you to know that's not what God's called us to here, right? Think of 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. God has placed you in this body to be part of the mission that this God has called this church to. Now, again, what a powerful past Wheaton Bible Church has. And as it presses into the future, what an exciting future it will have as it stays focused on God's mission. I, I can't predict the future. I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. I actually work in a nonprofit organization, so I don't have the ability to do that. But I think ultimately we live in a time when people are angry. People are outraged all around us. We see it online. We see it on television and more. And so in the midst of this outrage, how do we live on mission? I think that's part of the solution to the outrage. Not that Christians would join in with the anger of the day. I just wrote a book out earlier this month. My friends here at Tyndale, some of our uh, Tyndale staff go here, uh, published. It's called Christians in the Age of Outrage, bringing our best when the world's at its worst. Because the reality is, I think part of the answer, it's not the totality of the answer, but part of the answer is we might be known for serving others, showing and sharing the love of Jesus in the midst of that broken and hurting world. And if that's the case, then that can't stop. Maybe they won't be able to stop the advance of the gospel. In 252 AD, there was a, I talk about this in the book, there was a plague that hit the city of Carthage. Um, Everyone in a plague back then would just flee in droves and leave, well, their family members, the sick, and everybody else behind. But Cyprian was a leader in that community. He was the bishop of Carthage. He actually got all the Christians together and said, come to the center of town. I want to meet all the Christians. They weren't a majority by any stretch. They were a minority. He said, I want everyone to come together. And here's what he said. If we're going to do what Jesus did, so that through his poverty we might become rich, I call you to give personal and financial aid, care, and comfort to all according to their need, not their faith, unquote. And they did, and the reputation of Christians began to be shaped and began to be known throughout was then the Roman Empire, and the gospel began to spread because Christians were known as people not who were angry, but who were serving. They didn't take up the pitchfork, they took up the towel that Jesus talked about and when he washed others' feet. Now, in the midst of that, there's a lot of uh, frustration and anger even in the midst of the empire. It's still true today, right? And too many people are actually being discipled by their cable news shows, and they're being shaped by their social media feed, and it's causing them to become more and more vocal and angry about things that don't necessarily bring honor to the Lord. You say, Ed, I just want to post things on social media that I, that I, sh- I should be able to post anything I want. I'm mad. I'm, I'm upset. I'm just trying to be frank. Can I just tell you, if your name's not Frank, stop. Because what's happening is it's actually burning bridges when Christ has called us to build bridges with people. I'm not saying don't stand up for what's right. I am saying let's stop acting like the world in its outrage and start following Jesus in his compassion. Now, that's a change in the way a lot of Christians function. About a century after this moment in Carthage, Christianity had 
really just been spreading throughout the empire. And, uh, and one of the emperors tried to stop it. His name was Julian, well, he was later called Julian the Apostate. His mother didn't call him that. Um, but Julian the Apostate would later come, and, and he would try to say, we're going to stop this, the advance of Christianity. It's all over the empire, and, and, and he ultimately failed, but he was so upset, he wrote to a friend. He acknowledged defeat, and he, and he says this, he says, quote, whilst the pagan priests neglect the poor, the hated Galileans, that's what he called the Christians, right, Jesus of Galilee, the hated Galileans devote themselves to works of charity. He went on and said, these impious Galileans, I love that phrase, these impious Galileans, not only feed their own poor, but ours also, welcoming them into their agape or their, their love. So if we're going to live on mission in the day that we're in, do, do we join in the age of outrage or do we show a better way? Do we show and share the love of Jesus? And I think when we engage in God's mission, all have gifts God intends all to use, when we steward them. So again, that's the question. Are we being faithful stewards, good managers, some translations say, of the gifts God has given us? Or are we being just customers of the religious goods and services distributed at a church that does it the way we prefer? I think that question ultimately speaks to the moment we're in and the mission we're on, the heart that we have towards the world or else the response that we have to the culture. So number one, right? We don't want to miss this. All have gifts. Number two, God intends all to use. Number three, right? God empowers us for service. God empowers us for service. Number, number three says this in verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So notice it's gone from a singular to a plural, right? So it said the gift. Remember, we've been gifted with and by the Holy Spirit. So we have spiritual gifts in our life. And the next part of the passage, in verse, uh, second part of verse 10, it says, God's grace in its various forms, talking about different kinds of gifting that we have received. And across this stage earlier, where people were using their gifts in different ways. Some of them were teachers. Some of them were trainers. Some of them were counselors. So here we are in Wheaton, Illinois, and some of us have been gifted in different ways. And the question is, how do we use our gift? Are we engaged in tutoring? Are we engaged in cross-cultural ministry? Are we serving in and around the refugee community? Are we sharing the good news of the gospel with friends, neighbors, and more? If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Two broad categories, teaching and serving. That's not a list of spiritual gifts. We, we have those in Romans and 1 Corinthians and Ephesians. But here's what it reminds us of, right? In two broad categories, speaking and serving covers pretty much everything. All of us have some place, remember where it started, each one have some place to use our gifts. It could be speaking, it could be serving, and lots of different ways to do that. And when that happens, it's a beautiful thing. So, I mean, again, when we, we, we my, my family's actually been engaged, as you mentioned, I've been at Moody Church for two years, and so my family's been engaged here at Wheaton Bible, engaged in work among refugees, engaged in bringing supplies and resources and more. Why? Because when we do so, we use our gifts for the good of others. Now, the reality is, you know, the world's upset about that too, right? People are upset about immigration and people are upset about refugees. And, and actually, I think you can have debates about levels and security, have all those debates. But at the end of the day, when people are here, the church of Jesus Christ says, we're going to love you while you're here. And that's what you're doing. And we all hear about what you're doing. 
So I'm just here to do what the writer of Hebrews says, to provoke you to love and good deeds, to do it more. You say, Ed, I'm already doing plenty. Yeah, yeah, I'm not talking about you. I'm thankful for you and the ministry you're doing. Could you join us? Could you join the leadership of Wheaton Bible and actually say to somebody who's not involved, hey, how about doing that with me? Because in doing so, we can engage a higher level of people in God's ministry and his mission. And that's a beautiful thing when you see it, when you see people using their gifts. I love to see Donna and my girls uh, begin to think, oh, let's take these, we can engage and give these things away and the joy that they have. You know, even the world knows there's supposed to be a place where somebody's gifts are discovered and celebrated and used for, for wonderful things, right? Remember a few years ago, there was this video, it's probably one of the first really big viral videos. It was, uh, it was on a television show called Britain's Got Talent. And um, I remember watching it, and it was actually the singer at the moment, her name was Susan Boyle. How many of you remember that video? Remember that video? Okay, lots of you saw it. If you didn't see that video, we're going to get you a television just so you can see that video, because you pretty much couldn't have had a television if you didn't see that video. But if you remember, Susan Boyle sort of came from the side of the stage, right? And as she walked out, they laughed at her before she said or did anything. So she walks out, and they're snickering, maybe because she wasn't the age or appearance of the kind of maybe musical performer they expected. Simon Cowell was on the show. Piers Morgan was also a judge and another. Um, so Simon Cowell starts asking her some patronizing questions. Simon Cowell also would later start American Idol. He's kind of famous for these things. And so he asked her some patronizing questions. Where are you from, dearie? And she stumbled in her answer. And she's from some collection of villages in Scotland. And everybody laughed because in addition to whatever else they thought she wasn't as articulate as maybe she should have been. And so Simon asked her another question, who do you want to be? She mentioned a famous singer. Everyone laughed again. And yet she was not deterred. She was nervous, but not deterred. And then Simon said, okay, what are you going to sing? And he kind of, you can even see, even as he's asking, he's like, why are we wasting our time? And she said, I'm going to sing, I Dream a Dream from Les Mis. And the music starts to play. da 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 she sings the first line, I dream a dream of time gone by. And all of a sudden, the audience, which was smirking and giggling, stops. And she hits the second line. You remember watching. It hits the second line, and her voice gets its full strength, and people start hitting each other saying, do you see this? And she hits the third line, and it goes backstage to, to two people backstage, and they say, you didn't see that coming, did you? And you didn't, right? And she just keeps singing, and the strength of her voice, soon the people are standing up in awe of this, and, and, and the judges are standing up as she hits every note perfectly and strongly. And I'm just sitting here, and, and I, I'm actually watching this, and I watch this over and over again. Donna comes in at one point, my wife, and says, who is this woman you keep watching on the internet? It's all good, baby. And so I'm just watching this, and I start crying like a 10-year-old girl at a Taylor Swift concert. I can't stop. <laughs> I've taken a 10-year-old girl to a Taylor Swift concert, so I know what that looks like. And I'm just crying, and, and so, so you're watching on video, and then finally Simon Cowell actually smiles and nods, and the world like shakes on its axis because he's happy. See, but even the world knows, and there's a difference between talents and gifts, but even the world knows it's a beautiful thing when people find how they've been talented. Again, a difference between talent and gifts, but how God has gifted them, and they use it for the good of others. The people were, were encouraged and, and moved to tears, and, but she was blessed as well as she found that place and space where she could use her talents. See, that's what happens when churches are filled with people 
who are actually helping one another find how God has gifted them for God's glory, for their good, and for the good of others. And why does that matter? Well, because we live in a season when many people would rather retreat from culture. People are angry, and maybe they get in their own echo chamber on their Facebook page where they've muted everybody that disagrees with them. And so they just kind of post things over and over again. Can I just tell you, posting things on Facebook does not make a whole lot of difference. Serving people who are hurting does. Number four, and finally, right, we've talked about all have gifts God intends all to use, for which he empowers us. Number four, and finally, right, the goal is to bring glory to God. The goal is to bring glory to God. It's number four, and finally, to bring God glory. And I'll close with this. You know what it means when a guest speaker says, I'll close with this? Absolutely nothing. Because what are you going to do, you know? Bill going to come up and get me? No. So that, it says in verse 11, so that in all things, it starts with everyone, each one, and ends with all things. I love the totalizing words there. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him belong, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. God wants his glory. He's actually concerned with receiving his due glory. He created you to glorify him. He gifted you to glorify him. Can I tell you, in some ways, it's an odd thing to be Lon Allison's successor. Um, it's it's uh, Because people always talk about Lon and the faithful ministry he'd served at the Billy Graham Center. Um, it's an odd thing because someone was before him and someone was before him and someone was before him. And, and you sort of, you kind of stand on someone's shoulders, but you also acknowledge you're part of a highway of people who have impacted the world. And so it is with us as followers of Jesus, right? Somebody told somebody about Jesus who told somebody about Jesus who, who a million people between someone finally told you about Jesus, right? You have been the recipient of the gospel being transmitted from person to person for out throughout the centuries. It's a Great Commission highway, right? And this Great Commission highway is what I'm actually exhorting you to be involved in today, showing and sharing the love of Jesus because somebody before you and somebody before them did the same thing. I'm just saying, don't let your life be a cul-de-sac on the Great Commission highway. In Ephesians chapter 4, it tells us the job of pastors. It says, Christ gave him gave himself, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. The job of pastors is to equip God's people, each one, every one, all of us, so that we might be used of God. And so this week you have the opportunity to ask, how can I be used of God? 32 Wheaton Bible Church missionaries, 20 couples and singles from 15 nations will be sharing their story this week. Some of you can go to the Journey to Japan, right, and the Maturing Adults Group, but Journey to Japan and talk to missionaries there who are building bridges for the gospel. 2019 GO Teams, short-term mission trips will be unveiled to global as well as North American destinations, including opportunities to work among First Nations peoples and in a prison setting. And the missions fair in the atrium, you can learn about partner ministries serving in our area or around the world. Brothers and sisters, your pastors have brought to you the equipment and the equipping that you need. The question is, how will you respond? Now, some of you are already serving. Thank God for you. Will you think in just a moment about maybe them, some who are not, and maybe even after this service, say, hey, would you walk with me? Let's go to the missions booth, and let's talk about how you could get involved. 
If you're a follower of Jesus and you're not yet engaged and involved, I want to invite you to respond to this passage by saying, here I am, Lord, send me. You put your yes on the table and let God put it on the map. I'm thankful, so thankful. At Wheaton College, we're so thankful for the work in ministry of Wheaton Bible Church. So I'm here to say thank you for the freakishly abnormal amount you already do and to provoke you to love and good deeds so that people not engaged might say, here I am, Lord, send me. Would you pray with me? Father, we acknowledge that by your grace and your goodness, you have redeemed us and called us by name. You've sent us on a mission for your name's sake. And Father, I pray here right now that you, as you have worked for years and years and years at Wheaton Bible Church, Lord, that you would indeed continue to do that work today. Lord, that you might indeed say to us and remind us over and over again that you have called us to say yes. Just with your head bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment, if you're not involved in serving or using your gifts, could you just right now between you and the Lord just respond to how he's speaking to your heart and your life? I don't know what that is, but I'm guessing it might include some way where you say, here I am, Lord, send me. Help me to steward my gifts. Just with your head bowed and your eyes closed this morning, if you're already using your gifts, is there somebody that God has maybe put on your heart that even right after this service you can reach out to and say, would you serve with me? Maybe you'll be the one who helps them find that place that God uses them for God's glory, their good, and for the good of others. Father, thank you for the legacy of Wheaton Bible Church, and thank you for the future as you're at work through the people here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.